0: Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast-creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. We're your hosts, Laurel Gurrier and Danielle Jackson. Today's episode features Deja Gant. She and her husband had planned to have a home birth, but as many birth stories we hear, their plans did have to shift. The shift included a transfer to hospital and managing cerebral spinal headaches as a result from improper placement of her epidural. Another unique aspect of her journal that she'll be sharing is the role being an active duty hat on this. So, hello, Daisha. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hello. We have two co hosts with us today. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone listening, maybe James mm-hmm. and Kyra. So, yay. Yes, yes. You hear those little sweet baby sounds. That's what they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like boobs every two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So,
1: Deja, can you start by telling a little bit about yourself and your family? Yes. Yeah, so, my name is Deja. I am 23. I am married to my best friend. He's my best friend. And we, we try to find other friends, but we're like this. But, um, we have our one year old baby girl, and she's going to be 15 months in a few days. Um, we live in north dakota but we're originally from georgia so we're way like way across the map
0: yeah understood and is is the military sending you across into north dakota
1: yeah so i uh i was air force i enlisted 2017 in the summer and then this was our first duty station and so definitely the the military brought us here we didn't come here Is <laughs> your husband in the military as well? He is Army National Guard. Yes. Okay.
0: Wow. Thank you for your service. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Air Force too. Okay. i don't know <laughs> are Like,
1: are going back and forth occasionally? Like, who's better? I mean, I'm out, I'm, I got out, but I'm still. Like, it's Air Force all day. I don't know why you got in Army.
0: <laughs> Whatever. Just so you know. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Can you tell us a little bit about your pregnancy? Yes.
1: So um, it was very textbook, nothing too exciting. Um, the same stuff that, that everybody has symptom-wise, like some nausea, um, heartburn, the aches and pains, but I wouldn't say anything super like, this was so different about this pregnancy than anybody else's. Um, I didn't love it. I will say that. Like I know a lot of women who are like it was the most beautiful experience and I loved every second. I did not love it. I wanted to love it and I had I had my expectations, I guess, um of when I'll be pregnant and like it's going to be like this and I I didn't love it just because of the way I felt. It was so hard on my body. Um I was an athlete growing up my whole life like track and I did competition cheerleading and okay you see the cars um what else volleyball like I was doing something all the time and my body was always working and so in my head I expected like pregnancy is going to be cool like I'm just going to you know exercise I'm going to do my same yoga it's going to be cool and it was so hard on my body so um I would say for that reason, I wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to get pregnant again. Like pregnancy <laughs> in itself wasn't my favorite time in the world, I would say.
0: yeah, mm-hmm.
1: um, But yeah, uh, as far as like, it, it was beautiful though. I would just say watching myself grow and taking pictures and it being my husband and I's first child,
0: it was beautiful aside from me not knowing the toll that it was really going to take understood and so were you stationed in North Dakota then yes
1: so um we got married and then a few months after we were married is when we found out that we were pregnant and I was active duty at the time so when you're pregnant they just tell you to go to the women's health clinic where they verify and say like yep you're pregnant and they give you this packet where it's like, here's your list of doctors and midwives to choose from with no pictures or no, no anything besides like, here's credentials and how long they've been practicing and like pick one pretty much. Um, so right off the bat, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Being active duty, it just kind of felt like, here are your choices and this is what you're gonna do pretty much, or here's your options. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, at that time, and we're still, we still are here. But at that time, yeah, we were here in North Dakota.
0: Got it, got it. And so how did um, managing pregnancy and your duties and active duty, like how was, how was navigating that?
1: I mean, that's a whole book in itself. Mm-hmm. I worked with all men. Um, there was maybe one other woman in my um, shop, in our section. I uh, worked with all men all white men so mm. i think one black person yeah one black person uh so that in itself them not understanding when i said like hey i'm tired really? they're like yeah i'm tired too and i'm like no you know, <laughs> we're not no. talking about the same type of tired um no navigating that like them not really understanding what comes with pregnancy. Um, that was hard in itself, not having someone to relate to, um, just, just all these factors, you know, being the only woman, being black, yeah. being pregnant, all these different things. It didn't, it, it was not a great mix. It didn't mix at all, you yeah. know, um, as far as duty wise, they, it took them a while. Like I had to fight to be like, I need to be doing something else in my job, um, I'm a, I was a missile maintainer so Oh wow. Um the missiles that are up here spread out up north I would go out to these facilities and um Okay, baby. work on the the facility part of it to maintain anyway so that's maintenance and that's moving and you're climbing up ladders and you're working with chemicals and I had to fight with them all the way up till I was like 13, 14 weeks pregnant, I'm like, I can't do this. Wow. It's dangerous. It's not safe. Mm-hmm. And there were some guidelines for it, but not really like they could bend the rules with it pretty much. Yeah. And so I had to just advocate for myself to tell them, like I'm not going to do this until they finally did move me into like an admin position. So. Once that point hit, it was a lot better. But I would say, like, those first few weeks, and I told them up front for that reason. I shared with them when I was probably, like, six weeks pregnant that I was pregnant because
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, to make it clear that, hey, this is what's going on. I need need a different position, and it still didn't happen until a month or two later. Wow.
0: Are there any forms of advocacy within the military for pregnant women? Um, I would
1: say it varies so much depending on where you're at, like your base. Um, mm. you you have different sections within the base, so every shop is not the same, every building, every mission is not the same. So if I would have been like a dental hygienist or something, that would have probably not been an issue because so many there's more women in that career field, so right you know, with it a lot more often, and then um they know what comes with it versus me. Again, it's all men. They're kind of like, you know what you signed up for. Mm -hmm. You're in the military. Same, what is it? Same, right. Same fight. Some BS, you know, that they want to say. Um, so it was very much, it's very much specific to where you are. And I would say in my building, there was no, like, just talk to this person and then they'll know what to do. Got it. Like I had to dig and find my own information about, hey, these certain chemicals don't mix with pregnancy or um, you know, like I like I said, ladders climbing up stuff like the fall risk right, all right. the different stuff. And I had to do that until I'm just like, hey, look, I'm not doing this stuff
0: anymore. Right. Right. So thinking about that, how did you prepare um for birth? How did what were your preparations for that? Um so
1: like I was talking about the packet that they kind of just hand to you, they hand you this packet and they say, just choose from these people. So I did see midwife, a couple of midwives on the packet and I didn't know the full understanding of what a midwife was at the time. But I was like, I want to go natural. So I'm pretty sure this is what it is. And later on, you know, did more research and stuff. But I did have a midwife from the jump that I picked um, that I was going to have at the hospital. and. Throughout the first half of my pregnancy, that was the plan, and I would see um, there are two uh, midwives that were working together, and they would just see you periodically. Um, they would switch back and forth each visit that I had. Um, so that was fine, and that was the plan, and I was happy with who I had until. Midway through I was watching this video on YouTube. I don't know if either one of you are familiar with um Jayla Majette, but she does mm. like hair videos and lifestyle type stuff on YouTube, this really big black YouTuber. And she had a home birth and she did hypnobirthing. And I like watched the video. It was like this long video. I watched it like all the way through. And I was like oh, yeah, like, that's what we're going to do. That's what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. And that night, like, I sat down with my husband, and I was like, so uh, what do you think about home birth? Um, mm-hmm. You know, what do you – what would you say if I considered this? And he was like, okay, let's do it. Like, that sounds <laughs> it was no, like, long conversation. I didn't have to explain. Wonderful. Like,
0: okay, let's do it. <laughs> and
1: so – I did my own research and I, so like I said, I live in North Dakota in this very small town of, I don't know how many people live here, but it's, if you look on the map, it's like this little place. So like, let me even see if that's something that's available to me here, if there's somebody who could attend my birth. And I did my research and I found this person, she's a certified professional midwife. And again, I had to figure out all these specific terms and different stuff for myself. Yeah but she attends birth here and I contacted her and she hit me back and we met for an interview. Um, And I was like, Oh yeah, like this is, this is what I was (laughs) So midway through, I would say 24 weeks um, into my pregnancy was when I was like, yeah, we're going to plan this home birth. This is what we're going to do. And I still had co-care at the hospital with the other midwives. So she worked um, with the midwives at the hospital and yeah midway through the pregnancy was kind of like when a shift happened.
0: Can you describe your birth experience for us then? Yes,
1: so like like I was explaining my pregnancy being textbook there was no um no indication that I couldn't have my home birth there was everything was moving along in that direction. I went to forty one weeks and two days, something like that and on me understanding, you know, due dates or guest dates and all stuff, like I was good and I was ready. Um, I went into labor on a Friday night at 6 p.m. And I would say I labored at home with my husband, very manageable until the middle of the night, about 2 a.m. in the morning. Uh, And that's when I finally like text my midwife and I was like, Hey, yeah, pretty sure this is this might be it. <laughs> and she came over and she was monitoring me. And my midwife gets there, and it's so peaceful um, when she comes in. Like, I didn't even know she was there with how quietly she came in, um, and all the lights stayed off, you know. And I was on my birth ball, just leaning over the bed. And so, this initial part of labor. I still had this, this calmness about, you know, I'm at peace with this decision and I know like what's going to happen and I'm feeling good. And um, so that goes on into the morning around eight o'clock or something. And then she's like, okay, you know, it's been, it's been this amount of time. Let's try turning on the lights, you know, let's get some daylight in. Let's see if, let's see if the, the sunlight and like, this will change the the pace of what's happening. Cause at this point, um, my baby, she was still really high up. So she wasn't even down in my pelvis at all. And I want to say I was dilated one centimeter and it had mm-hmm. been like this throughout the night. So there was still no rush, like there's no progress and like this not happened fast enough, but just, hey, let's change up the pace and let's, let's get some sun in, let's see what's going on. Um, about 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning, she had been monitoring my contractions and everything throughout this point. And for about for about an hour that she was monitoring, um, then she told me, she was like, hey, you know, baby's heart rate usually fluctuates a little bit higher and then it'll go lower, a little bit higher, lower, and that's normal. But her heart rate had been staying high like during my contractions and in between them. And she was like, so, you know, that can be an indicator of a few different things and one of them being distressed. So uh, I would recommend, and how do you feel about transferring to the hospital to monitor and see what's going on? And like I said, up to this point, everything had been, pain had been very manageable. Um, state of mind wise, I was okay with the decision because I always knew, like, it was a possibility, and it was, if necessary, we can transfer there. I knew the midwives was there. I had been seeing them as well throughout my pregnancy, so it wasn't any random, like, I'm going to see some OB who's on call. Like, I'm going to see the people that I've been seeing. So it was a very peaceful decision. Um, like, that part of my birth experience and story was just this very small, peaceful moment of time of, like, this is the plan that we were going to do. It's not necessarily going according to plan, but we've talked about the risk benefits, yeah. um, alternatives, all this stuff. Let's, let's make this decision. So we got our clothes on, we got our bags, and we went to the hospital very calmly. Everything was fine. Um, so we get there, and my midwife comes with me. I had a doula as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they both are there. My husband is there as well, and uh, my midwife is relaying the notes to um, the nursing staff on call so they can get caught up on, like, what happened up to this point, and the, the environment and kind of, like, the sense of not being in my space anymore, the pain that I would say of the contractions that was, like, at a manageable six had now, like, went up exponentially to, like... When they were talking about an epidural, I was considering it at this point. I'm like, it wasn't in the plan. It just got to a point of not feeling like I could manage anymore, not feeling yeah. like I was in the safety of my home, not. It was just very different. It was. I, I think my error that I made is not... Like, I prepared for what if going to the hospital, but not fully what if, like, (laughs) not fully what if, as in, hey, still bring stuff to set the tone for the birth Mm -hmm. space. like, still create the same space that I want, even if it's in another environment. And I didn't fully think that part through. So once I got there, it was very, like, a shock, I think, mentally and physically that I slowly started feeling like I was out of control of the birth like it kind of felt like I'm handing it over to (coughs) I'm handing it over to the hospital now like it slowly started there when I got there when the question of epidural came into play of hey let's see if this will get things going I I again me and my husband we talked about it and decided to go through with getting some pitocin and epidural and Mm. with the idea in mind of let's relax your body let's see if baby let's, mm -mm. let's see if this is the reason that labor is kind of not progressing is if you need to relax a little bit so i was like okay again i'm at peace with if this is a decision that we are making together we've talked about it let's go ahead and go with it um and then this is when things kind of like yes, so I get to the point of deciding yes, let's let's do these things with the idea that I can still preserve this vaginal birth. So the anesthesiologist comes in mm-hmm. and he gives us the form, the consent forms, and says, you know, here's your risk and here's what could happen and da da da. And I'm like, okay, you know, up to this point, like I, I understood the possibilities, we read through them. My husband signs the form and he he says, hey, let's try this between contractions so that way you're at rest and you're able to hold still as much as possible. I was like, okay, my husband is in the room. My home birth midwife who came with us is in the room. My doula is in the room, a nurse is in the room. Um, another nurse or somebody else who's helping him is in the room. So we have like a room full of people
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I am leaned over I'm leaned over the bed and, you know, he's getting everything ready and he tells me, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to numb the area and then we're going to go ahead with the shot. So he numbs the area um, and that's fine. And he says, okay, so when I, when I do the separate drill or when I, when I, inject you and I stick you with this needle it should just feel like pressure and no pain. And I'm like okay. And so he sticks the needle in my back and then immediately I feel like this like hot tingly sharp sensation go down like the right side of my body. And so I'm still sitting still and I told him like no I could feel that like I don't know what that was but like I could feel that. Um, And he's like no. You, you can't feel that. I'm pretty sure you can't feel that. So he takes it out and sticks me again. This time I feel like the same sensation go down the left side of my body. And I'm like, no, I can feel that. That's not, this is not pressure. Like I can feel something going on. No, um, you can't feel anything. It's just, it's just pressure. There's no pain. And proceeds to do that three times, four times, five times six times sticking me with a needle all during now. Now I'm having contractions and it takes my husband on like, and again, I, I have pictures that indicate, you know, how many holes were there, but we don't know if it's between six to eight times that this man stuck me and it takes my husband, like, stop touching her. She, she just said that it's painful. What are you doing?
0: Yeah.
1: But over this course of it's, it's the feeling for me of like, I'm in this vulnerable position. I've told you I don't know how many times that it is painful. Everybody's in the room just kind of like looking at what's happening. And I'm just in this vulnerable position of like, if I really make a scene about it, you know, what does that mean? What is, does that mean? Um, cause you're not listening to me already and I'm in this calm demeanor while I'm going through a contraction and you're not, you're not hearing what I'm mm-hmm. saying. So what does that mean? If I escalate it further and it, like I said, it takes my husband being like, what are you doing? Like, what, why are you still sticking her? So he finally stops and he's like, okay, well let's just give it some time and see if everything's numbed up and Okay you know have a good day like packs the stuff up and leaves the room um whoever comes in or whoever does the positioning of it like gets everything set up and gets it actually started running so after however much time you know i do go numb and kind of like that moment of time was like i don't know what happened but me like well okay, let me still go on to have this baby. Like, in my head, still trying not to make this. That moment, it was traumatic, but it was, like, an automatic acceptance that I made of, like, I'm still trying to have this positive birth. So I really blocked it out. Like, as soon as it happened, it was this feeling of, like, I I lost control, and then I immediately made myself, like, this, this toxic positivity, really, of, like, well, I guess because I'm numb now, like, and not taking, not taking into the, not taking into account the fullness of what just happened. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think any of us really discussed it at that time. Like anybody, any of us in the room, I don't think we even really like stopped to say like, that was weird that I just got stuck in my spine over six times. That's kind of weird.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so things progress fine after that. I have the epidural, they're turning me this side, that side. I'm using the peanut ball. Um, labor still goes on for like another 12 hours before I am at the point that I'm nine centimeters and then I progress, progress to 10. So, this point after the epidural, everything was like calm, quiet, peaceful. Uh, I'm ready to push my daughter out, and I push her out like 15 minutes. That that everything went fine. Everything is cool. Mm-hmm. Everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. It's great. Um, so they cut they cut the epidural off, mm-hmm. and then however much time passes, that everything's like leaving my body slowly the next thing I remember, so I had my golden hour with her, but I remember when it was time for her to go to the warmer for them to uh, check, you know, weight and height and all that stuff. I remember vit- so vividly that when they were about to weigh her, the nurse was like, okay, everybody in the room, let's, let's guess how much baby weighs. And so everybody was like, oh, you know, seven pounds, whatever ounces. I remember her asking me like, I remember her asking me, um, Hey, mommy. What do you think? Um, How much does the baby weigh? And I remember in my head, like I didn't say it out loud, but in my head, I was in so much pain at this point. Once the epidural had cut off, that I was like, I, I could care less how much she weighs. Like I don't care. I really don't care how much she weighs. And I was just laying there with my eyes closed, and I, I said, whatever. Well, like I don't know, you know, eight pounds or whatever. And it was just like everybody was moving in the room around me. And I wasn't even, like, here. I was just, like, laid back in the bed with my, with my eyes closed. And I remember asking them, like, you know, hey, I'm in pain. Like, can I get some medicine for this? This is, I'm feeling, like, this sharp, sharp stiffness in my neck and down my back where I can't, I can't just turn my head. I have to move my entire body if I want to look. And I can't hold her comfortably. Like, everything is, like, stiff. Mm-hmm. And immediately, it's just, hey, you just had a baby. Mm-hmm. This, these are the pains that come with it. We'll order you some Motrin, um, and you're gonna be good. You're gonna be fine. So, I had my daughter at 3 a.m. in the morning, and nobody really like. Everybody left. Everybody said their goodbyes and stuff. The Dua left. Um, the nurses. Everybody leaves. We didn't really get checked on for. Some hours, some hours into the morning, and I don't think I had any medicine at this point. So I was just in pain. It's just me and my husband. I wasn't sleeping. So this had went on from Friday night that I started labor to now my daughter was born Sunday in the middle of the night (coughs) that we really hadn't got any sleep up to this point. I hadn't ate like a full meal or anything, and now I'm in pain, and they're telling me it's because I just had my baby. So this goes on into the day. Into Sunday and my whole hospital stay. Hey, 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 I'm in pain. I need some medicine. So they do give me, they give me Percocet. They gave me
0: Motrin I was on.
1: They gave me some IV drugs. Nothing was touching the pain at all. Like nothing was touching it. And I said, hey, could this be because of the epidural? No, no, it's not that. Um, You just had a baby. You just need to rest. So, later that night, my parents were there as well. So, my dad was the one who was like, you're gonna order a CT scan. You're gonna order a CT scan and see, mm-hmm. like actually look and see what's mm-hmm. going on. Right. Um, the CT scan comes back. They say it was clear. Like, oh, there's nothing on there. Um, everything's clear, nothing's going on. And him doing his own research, My dad, he's like, hey, I see something called a cerebrospinal headache. Could it be this thing? So they asked me symptoms. And in hindsight, looking back at it, because I didn't give them specific textbook symptoms, they were telling me, no, it's not that. So they wanted me to say it was worse when I stood up versus laying down, um... Say these specific things about someone like it hurts all the time or when I was when they would ask like, Hey, how much is it on a scale of one to ten? And I'm telling them, It's a ten for me and they're telling me, pretty much because I'm speaking in this calm, like I spoke like this throughout my labor, throughout having my daughter, throughout the pain, because I'm very inward with pain. No, there's no way that it's a nine or a ten. Um, because I'm not rolling around on the bed and screaming at everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, type the type of pain. Like, I cannot. There cannot be any light. Like, shut all the blinds. It's dark. Uh, I'm shaking, not speaking coherently, and so we roll into the next day, Monday. All this has been happening over the course of 24 hours, and now they are talking about me staying another day. And at this point, I'm like, I want to get discharged. Like, if I'm going to be in pain. I would rather have this at home. Like, if you're all not going to do anything about it, I'd rather go home. Um, So, they discharge me and I go home and go through the same thing for another day, the same type of pain. But, you know, I'm at home with my baby and my husband. At least I'm in my own bed. My home birth midwife and my doula show up to my home. This is like day three after having my baby. And my doula is a birth photographer as well so she came into the room and she was like hey let's open up the curtains let's get some light in so that we can get some pictures of baby and get some pictures of y'all i was like okay you know and so she opens up the curtains and all i remember is like taking the blanket that was on our bed and just like putting it over my head while she was taking pictures of my daughter and Another moment I remember is my husband was trying to feed me some vegetable soup. It was like a carrot or something. And he, like, put it in my mouth. And I'm a very, mm, like, I'm just the type of person, like, I'm going to hide everything. But hide everything as far as in this moment, I I took a couple of bites of what he gave me. And then while everybody was in the room, like, I just spit it out from how nauseous I was having not Mm -hmm. eaten at this point from the Percocet that I was taking. From the pain and everything and both of them my midwife and my doula were like something's wrong something's not okay this is not normal so they started making calls to people around our community and they spoke with a um another doctor that i had been seeing throughout my pregnancy a chiropractor um mm-hmm. prenatal chiropractor and she was like no this is this is definitely a cerebral spinal headache like this is everything that she's think this is what it is she needs to go to the emergency room and she needs to say these specific things so that she can be treated for it um so we go back to the emergency we go to the emergency room with my daughter is now three days old three four days old at that point um we're in North Dakota and it's January so it's neck at this point it's negative 60 degrees outside negative 60 degrees and i have a newborn that i'm taking into an er room because at the time that i was already here you didn't do what you're supposed to do so we get to the er i tell them these specific textbook answers that they want so i say hey sure it's worse when i stand up versus laying down and the pain is bounding like some very specific things and they're like okay I still wait like a couple of hours. They end up giving me something called a blood patches, which is taking blood out of your own body. So they took blood out of my arm and they reinsert it in the epidural space um, with the idea that they're filling, if there was any space or any bubbles, that they're refilling that. And within 30 seconds of them putting the blood patch, you know, into that space, like I opened my eyes like I had had a hat over my head at this whole whole time because I wasn't looking I couldn't look at any light like I took the hat off everything left like all the pain left my body like instantly and so you know recovery after that point you know in the weeks following that was fine but the thing that followed that was a conversation that I had with my midwife from the hospital, where she called, you know, a day after I came home from the emergency room, and she was like, the CT scan that they initially did for you in the hospital, it actually did have two air bubbles that
0: were shown on there. And yeah, so they missed that, so pretty much like our bad. And that was that. And it was like, okay. And it was this idea that I was supposed to go
1: on because healthy mom, healthy baby. And like this whole chunk of time that made absolutely no sense that happened.
0: That was supposed to just, that was just supposed to be erased. So that was my my birth experience in itself, turning from
1: me feeling like I had control, even having control and saying, sure, let's transfer to the hospital. Even at that point was like, I have the decision to do this. We're making a sound decision. And then feeling like everything just left left my hands. As soon as, you know, the doctor decided, or this anesthesiologist decided that he was gonna try
0: six or more times for separate room. I'm just sitting here. First of all, thank you um, mm-hmm. for sharing that with us because having to retell. Well, I'm having a delay with my- <laughs> Yeah, <evening>. sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I think it's not, anybody's responsibility to diagnose themselves and that's not even like the issue um, I'm sorry I'm just
1: um, I, don't, I haven't told this story like I haven't besides the
0: people who were there nobody knows this story so From the moment you said that you could feel it, and he said, No, you can't. That is um, just a very telling indication of the level of respect, um, the arrogance of someone to tell you that you can't feel something that you. Clearly did, and that they actually knew that they didn't do it right as he continued to try, try, practice on you, a living human. And I just like hearing that, and then when you said, that moment of time I left it when it was over and I kept going and there was no in-between there was no like let's pause and let you like let's regroup there was nothing it was like okay my bad let's keep going and then that same process to happen afterwards Where you're literally saying this is what I'm feeling in this moment And because it doesn't match, with whatever's supposed to match in your head about whatever's going on, no one can piece together the the dots here. And then to go, oh yeah, we had a CT scan and we missed that. Like what if you hadn't have had your doula or your midwife to come check on you and be like, this doesn't make sense. This is not okay. Let's now call somebody else to maybe give us some more information, who literally had to feed you a script to be able to go into a space and say, "Yeah, I said all of this, but because it didn't, it wasn't what you read in your eighth class last week, you have you can't somehow put together that this is what I'm feeling." Right.
1: I was told that I was having gas pain. That's what they told me. Um, I get, They gave me gas medicine when i told her that my back was stiff and i couldn't move out the bed
0: and one of the nurses told me that it was a gas pain that i was having and it just becomes a level of frustration of trying to like rationalize why Someone wouldn't be able to see the layers of that. Like this individual got stuck eight times while trying to get an epidural. Now she's feeling these things. Somehow they're connected, right? Right. But at the end of the day, it just comes down to you said out of your mouth, I'm feeling this, and a complete disregard I didn't know what more needed to be done in that moment
1: I I think in my head I felt safe because it was everybody in the room
0: so I didn't know
1: what more needed to be done for that to be different in that moment like I I replay that a lot in my head and I I sometimes beat myself up about that and say like why didn't I do more why didn't I say this why didn't I
0: like what more needed to happen, you know? Nothing. Cause you said exactly you said exactly what needed to be said. And at the end of the day, that should have been respected and honored. That's it. Do you still have any ongoing issues from that?
1: Um no, as soon as as soon as the blood patch was done and my normal postpartum recovery period I haven't had any
0: lingering
1: problems, baby. Um, A month ago, I decided to finally take it to the board of the hospital. Because it took me a whole year to finally build up the courage to say, hey, this wasn't right. I want to talk about it. And when I brought it to them and I gave them pictures of my back where you can see... You can see all these holes in my back, and I gave them the story. They came back, like, within a few days. Like, it didn't take long at all after saying, like, oh, this may take a month to talk to everybody and look at notes. They came back, like, three days later, and they were like, no, we have determined that there was, there was no negligence or there was no – pretty much there was nothing wrong with what happened, even with bringing in all these different pieces. So back to, like, do I have any lingering things? I don't. But I'm not saying I wish I did. It was almost like, hey, if there's nothing wrong with you right now, then what's the problem? Like when I spoke to a lawyer about it, and I was like, do I have any, is there any malpractice here? Like with reading the scan wrong, with this being given to me, like, it was kind of like, hey, if there's no lasting pains that are happening right now, we can't do anything. Mm Physical, no. Mentally, I'm like, can I turn in my my counseling treatment, all that stuff that I went through? You know, like, can I get? Is that is that damages because that that lasted like the whole first
0: year? Like, just because you can't see it on the outside doesn't mean it didn't have an impact. And then again, it, it just feels. And I'm saying this, like, from my perspective of, like, again, here I am saying, this is what's happening to me, and you're not listening. Yes. And I, I, you know, when we hear um, individuals share their experiences um, with things like this, it's like, it just furthers the the reality of, like, this isn't something that happened or used to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. This is still happening right now, twenty like, here, right now. I think that people also, like, speaking for
1: Black women ourselves, like, I knew it was wrong. So sometimes I always wonder and worry about, like, who doesn't know that stuff like that shouldn't have happened. and And they look at a scenario like, maybe not connecting the pieces that an epidural caused this pain, but then they get medicine for it or treatment. And they're like, thank God that I was in the hospital. Mm. Thank God that I was there so that they could. And it's like this period of time that I was at home laboring with my daughter. Like I have beautiful memories of it, it was peaceful. My mm-hmm. husband was supporting me quiet. No, not thank God that the hospital saved me, you know? no, So I wonder about that piece of it, of like, do you even know what's happening that's not okay?
0: Thankful. We're truly thankful that you um, were in a place and willing to share. Um, Very thankful. So after... um, you got back home. It, like you said, it was pretty much from then. Your postpartum, what ha- what has postpartum looked like for you? Um,
1: um I would say I feel like that's somewhat played into it—the experience that it wasn't. We didn't come into our first child with this blissful um maybe we're sleepy because she's not sleeping but we're happy it was already like we need to work through some shit like some shit just happened
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so that was already like this layer that covered the experience um following that we had a lot of family issues going on where the focus wasn't on the fact that we just had our first baby it was on everybody else's stuff I would say I didn't really check in with me about the birth or the initial postpartum period. I didn't check in with me, like really check in with me until she was like six months old. Mm -hmm. Like that whole chunk of time passed until finally like things settled down and and the dust cleared. Like I got out of the military and family that was staying with us went back home. Mm -hmm. Everything kind of settled and I was like, I'm not okay. I'm not good at all. I just had things to do. And I never had that pause to see what's really going on. So I dealt with postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety Mm. really bad, like debilitating, like we're just going to sit here and cry for some hours. Bad. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband took off work for three months to be home. With me,
0: um, because it was I couldn't. Um, I couldn't do for myself.
1: I couldn't do for my baby. I couldn't do for him. Like I couldn't simple things. Couldn't do so.
0: Um, yeah. Postpartum.
1: Postpartum was hard, and I didn't. I didn't feel like things were clear and. I had some clarity until close to when she was one years old, like, Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so just hard, really hard, really, I mean, harder than just, oh, having a new baby was hard. It was so many layers added on top of having a new baby is hard. There were other things that got tossed on top of it and everything got mixed together. And finally, when things got
0: quiet, it was like, this is not okay. Right. Right. You know, we tell people <clears throat> it takes about a year yeah. to, to recover in general from the physical and emotional and mental aspect of having a baby, minimum. Mm-hmm. That's just physical. Man. That's just, a thank you, Danielle, really. So then, like you said, to, out, to add on the layers of the experience both the birth and that initial postpartum period. That is a lot. Um and it's beautiful, you know, um and comforting to hear that your husband was able to to provide um that support for you. Yeah, sometimes we talk about like
1: me and my husband talk about the financial sacrifice versus like your emotional and mental well being sacrificing. Like we we sometimes hit these points where it's like it's gonna hurt us really bad if you're gone from work for this amount of time. But also like, am I gonna be here to at least we we can both recover from the financial. Am I even gonna be here physically, mentally? You know, mm-hmm. Like am I gonna be here for that?
0: Right. right. So we
1: have those moments of like we're gonna sacrifice financially right now. so that we are both good so that we can
0: be here to make it through it right right what other supports did you use during that time i know your husband being there of course that was the the majority of your support but did you seek any help with counseling during that time um or was that more recently that you did counseling? so the
1: first three months first six months the first six months um that my daughter was born i was still active duty military at that time i told them hey this is how i'm feeling i want to talk to somebody but i don't want to talk to these military counselors and Like, i want to talk to somebody civilian side because yes i'm in the military but i don't want to come into the experience with somebody trying to relate to me on the military side like i want somebody who's trained in postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety Mm
0: -hmm.
1: not general stuff and they were kind of like no you're pretty much you're gonna get what you get you're gonna get what you get and i had to i had to speak to someone who was the military side and it did so much bad for me like it, Mm. it was it did so much bad to open up to finally open up and tell somebody what I was thinking, what I was feeling, and to be shut down and probably not even probably get the new mommy treatment of uh, oh, this is your first baby, and it's hard and like completely missing again, like I'm not describing these specific things to you about postpartum depression or anxiety, and so it's just falling under this umbrella of it's an adjustment period to having a baby. Mm -hmm. So it did way more worse than good to talk to people on the military side. When I finally transitioned out, then I sought help, like I said, civilian side, or just, you know, just regular. And that's when it was a turning point, when somebody was finally like, oh yeah, you definitely, like you definitely have postpartum depression for somebody to validate and say like, no, back to self diagnosing like i had to come in there and tell her like no like i I've, I've looked at this and i know this is what it is but for somebody to finally say like yeah you're right this is what it is let's do something about it um, so i did finally get treatment when she was 6 months old so i had my counseling sessions and i also started working with a motherhood transition coach mm. and pretty much her I mean, I don't want to speak for her, but what she helped me with was what she did. Her name is Stepha. What Stepha did was help me take, like, here's my, here's what I am envisioning and what I'm trying to work towards. Here's what I'm working through with generational trauma and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, we did 12 one-on-one sessions and counseling along with that completely, like, the lights turned on and the fog cleared and I finally got to a place of like okay like motherhood is hard but I enjoy waking up and playing with my baby or like I I get to embrace this as a whole and that was like seven eight months down the
0: line that I finally felt somewhat like myself again Yeah. Something like that coincides with you actually being heard. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that piece of this is what I'm envisioning, mm-hmm. and then this is where I am right now. And I think it helps, you know, separate the, the layers. Like you said, like motherhood is hard, but here's what I enjoy. Here's what I'm doing right now that feels good, Um, because it's so easy to get twisted in it all and be like, but I didn't do X, Y, and Z, or X, Y, and Z didn't go the way it was supposed to be, Um, so being able to kind of decipher and and layer that feels good. I'm like, maybe. Because it's like. (laughs)
1: it's more than just motherhood. I know what helped me with working with both of them, the counselor and this uh, motherhood transitional coach was, it wasn't just like, how much is she sleeping and eating and what is she doing now? It was like, what am I like, where am I at? How am I feeling? Um, Back to like, what am I working towards personally? And it, it made a difference. It, it made all of the difference. Like you said, to be heard finally for somebody to finally be like, yeah, I see you. I hear you. You don't have to have the perfect words to describe it to me, but I got you.
0: Right. What you said the first time of what mm-hmm. you said. Mm-hmm. Say what I said. <laughs> I said what I said. And I know that that was just challenging in general because of military culture as well, right? Like It's so full and of a lifestyle and how you interact with superiors, how you interact with everybody because everybody has the same mission, right? They're all in the military. Everybody has the same type of language and things like that. And it didn't fit the language, right? Mm. You're right, yeah. The military side of things you get put into
1: this box and there's no like, you're not anybody outside of this box. Like this is who you are and this is what we have to offer. And there's not a complexity of like, you need to address these specific things for these specific people. Everybody doesn't have the same experience, but there's this very generic, like I said, like this is the person that you can talk to counseling wise. And this is the person for everybody without, taking into account no, it's not, you know, you need to have options and you need to no. Yeah, the military side, that's a whole layer in itself. That's why I was like, do stuff y'all
0: later. See ya. I gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, right? Like here we are building to this. And now I see where I need to be. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a big step, right? Because it's your career. And you've built it and then you have to transition and do something else. And then well, you don't I, want to be like red flag as the problem, right? So
1: that's when I left. When they were trying to make it that that it was me with mm. the new baby and like, Oh, if you can't complete your duties become like that has nothing to do with it. Like if you take care of your people, your people will take care of the mission. Mm-hmm. That's how it works, Like okay. if I don't have to worry about what's going on at home, that's another side to it. When I, um, when I was supposed to go back to work, my first day going back, my childcare, the day I was supposed to go back to work, she was like, I'm not going to be able to take care of your baby. Um, I came to work and I told my supervisor that, like pouring down in tears, and he's like, well, do you have anywhere to take her now? Like, where, where, she's going, where is she going? Like, why is that your first response out of your mouth? So things like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You don't care if I took my child to, like, random, you know, Susan down the street. Like, as long as are you in here today. Just complete, like, lack of understanding and awareness for life in general outside of the mission.
0: So I had to go. I was happy to go. I was, I was very happy to go. You're doing great. Thank you. I just, (laughs) you're doing great. Um, And I know you probably know now, but it's beautiful to hear what you're doing to heal. Thank you. Thank you. I will add, so I went to a doula
1: training. Like my daughter was two months old. So that's what what I transitioned out of. Like when I went to a doula workshop, I was like, oh, I'm gonna be a doula. Like this is this is what I'm supposed to do. And I I got out of the military and that's that's where I'm at now is postpartum and birth support here in my community. And that's been healing for me. That's been healing to not make my story somebody else's story, but to empower them to know that they have options and to know that this is their birth and their postpartum experience. And um, that's fulfilling for me right now.
0: That's very fulfilling for me. I love that. Yes. An army yes. of black dealers. Okay. Especially in that community, military <laughs> community. And you know, you're speaking to a specific niche. Like, mm. you know the mm. ins and outs. And that's important that they have someone working on that, their behalf that understands the life right you can be there for them in a way that's unique yes what do you want to share with our listeners in terms of advice resources what do you want to leave them with today i have two
1: resources that i did want to share Um, i wanted to say that when it comes to like birth and postpartum You can't wish and hope your way to your ideal birth or postpartum experience. Um, You have to do the work. So you have to get educated. You have to face your fears. You have to unlearn things that don't serve you or your goals. So there's people out here who are doing the work and who do have the answers that you're looking for. And that if you truly put the action behind what you desire to have. you know you can make it happen. So, what I would recommend is for people to fill your like your social media feed with what you're trying to obtain and that positivity. You know you can't like I said you can't hope and wish for a natural birth and you've never seen it before, you've never heard of it before, or if you're getting shut down every time you mention it to a family member. Um, so for birth related content, I want to share, uh, Mama's in color. So. She's on Instagram. Her name is Jessica and she has a podcast as well. So I love looking at her content just because I want to say her pictures are some of the first that I've seen when she went viral with her um, home birth that she had. I was like, wow, like that's me. That looks like me, you know, and I can do this. Like this is happening now. She's doing this now. This is not some special subset of people who can have home birth and have doulas. Like this is us. We can do this. like I said, so mama's in color. Um, the motherhood transitional coach that I had was like life-changing for me, so I wanted to share hers as well. Um, she is Mama Slay Life on Instagram. Her name is Stepha Lafond, and she like I said she's a motherhood transitional coach working with motherhood experience, personal development, and healing. so both of those are my recommendation. And just like I said, just fill your feed, fill your social media that you're scrolling through every day, all day anyway. Fill it with what you're working towards and what, you, what you're what you envisioning because it's out there. People are doing the work.
0: Yes, Thank we you. will definitely make sure to put those in the show notes. That is that is so important because I know we, we spend a lot of time scrolling mm-hmm. and looking through all the things and you want to mm-hmm. make sure they... They match, and they're filling your cup. Oh, yeah. So that's so that's so good. Um, I know we've already said it, but thank you so much.
1: No, thank y'all so uh, so 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 much.
0: Thank y'all. Thank you This. I know it took courage. Yes. It took courage, and yes. um, especially coming from that military experience, I just know how hard it is to share. I do. Um, the military family and. Going in and getting the work done and help getting the help it, It's hard because it's not something where people are like, even though there's counselors Everybody's not saying go see a counselor, right? So,
1: yeah Thank y'all so much. Thank y'all for doing this and for sharing these stories and holding the space for people to to say it to somebody who understands and who's not just gonna shut them down that they're supposed to be
0: thanks for listening to birth stories in color to hear this show and other episodes head to birthstoriesincolor.com